Welcome to SWAT MMA. This is episode number 167. I am Jared here with Paul. What up? Coming to you from Las Vegas, Nevada. And today we're going to be smoking and talking all about how to fix the scoring system in not just the UFC, but mixed martial arts in general. We're going to be talking about BKFC's pound for pound king, Louis Palomino, and just what is next for him at this stage in his dominant career. We're going to talk a little bit about tough. We're going to talk a little bit about Connor. We're going to talk a little bit about boxing. But before we get into the combat sports, y'all know what time it is. Grab your stash, fire it up. Let's get into the weed of the week. Smoke weed every day. All right. So today we have this gelato infused joint. Um, so this What's is... What's it infused with today? Oh. Gelato. Oh, it's okay. gelato, gelato. And they dip it into ice cream? Mm-hmm. Sick. Uh, no. <laughs> um, so this is live resin and the flower form of stream gelato, which is also known as Larry Bird, which, you know, kind of, kind of love that. Uh, so it is a strain crossed with Sunset Sherbet and Thin Milk Cookies. Um, it's a indica dominant hybrid. We also got some super sour diesel that I brought up from Colorado. Shh, shh, don't tell nobody, everybody. It's top secret. But no, my boy grew this down in Colorado. It's really, 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 really good. Sick, sticky weed. Now, what's the genetics on a super sour? You got that shit for us, Paul? I can pull it up real quick. It's one of my favorite strains. I like all the diesel shit, as everybody knows who listens to this show. But the super sour is very nice. Super sour diesel is made from crossing super silver haze and sour diesel. Yeah, super silver haze is one of my favorite uh, <clears throat> sativa strains. Period. I think it just gets proper when you cross it with that nasty ass diesel. All right, it's, it's hitting. This nice little section of our podcast is brought to you by Binoid. You can get the best deals on Binoid CBD if you click over to our website, SWATMMA.com, or if you check out the links wherever you are listening or watching to this podcast, you can get 20% off your very first order by following those, plus you'll help out the podcast just a little bit. Now, with that out of the way, let's keep puffing this down. And dude, let's before we get into how to fix the UFC and MMA scoring, because we put some thought into this, because it's a fucking problem every week, yeah. let's talk about some good stuff that happened. Like BKFC put on an event that was headlined by... Uh, the pound-for-pound pound king, Louis Palmino, two-division champ, defending his title. Uh, he gets a win. It gets a little bit of controversy just because it was declared a somewhat lackluster performance. First, let's talk about that. What were your thoughts on his victory against Lily, who was, what, the BKB champ, 7-0-1 yeah. in bare knuckle? The guy didn't have a whole lot of name value outside of the bare knuckle sphere. Yeah. But was a superbly quality, superbly quality. Is that a word? Yeah, sure. Is that, is that, now it is. Is that if I can string that mm -hmm. together all right? That's uh, He's a superb opponent. Yeah. And I think he showed that um, kind of what you were alluding to before. I I think it was kind of a more safe performance by Palomino. I think he, he just knew what he had to do to win and got it done. And, and that happens when you have a dominant champion. Um, over time, you 
get into uh, these fights and, you know, different matchups that may be more dangerous than others. And I feel like he just knew his opponent was dangerous and did what he had to do. And I don't really honestly think he should be criticized for that, mainly because he came right out and admitted that that's what he did. <clears throat> yeah. He said, look, <clears throat> excuse me, he's 42 years old. He's had a tremendous career resurgence in BKFC. It's undeniable. He's considered the pound-for-pound pound best, not just in BKFC, but in bare knuckle in general. He's undefeated. He rarely loses a round. Now he's fighting a guy. He's putting it all on the line. He said, you know, for, for guys that nobody's really ever heard of, no disrespect intended to them, but he feels like he's not really going to risk everything unless it's for a big-name fight, which he feels like he's deserving of. And I... I I can't really argue with that. Like he does have a legacy that's at risk here. Yeah. Why why put it at a really dangerous position just for a little bit more entertainment at this stage of his defenses? If it's not in some showcase end of his career banger against Mike Perry or Eddie Alvarez, who we both called out, or he even fucking called out Jose Aldo. Yeah. Um, and I do think <clears throat> we see this across the sport, you know, uh Israel Adesanya has been accused of this at, at times, and George Anderson Silva, George St. Pierre, John Jones. You know, there's yeah. there. Every champion runs into some of these weird matchups where it you can kind of tell that they did what they had to do to win. And but that that's just being a long reigning champion. That those kind of things happen. Dude, I, there were prize fighters. Yeah. First entertainers. Second, mm-hmm. it wasn't a bad fight. It was just by BKFC standards. It was a little. In Louis Palomino standards, a little less than what we're used to seeing. Well, and that's what I was just yeah. going to say is is I feel like also when you talk about BKFC, you have to think of all the fights that happen throughout the night, whether at what level it's at, there's constant, you know, exciting action going on. And I think because of that, is kind of a, a byproduct is when you have a more strategic, more uh, maybe slower paced fight, it's seen as a dud when in reality you're just so used to <laughs> These high volume, high action fights that when it just ticks down just in the slightest, it's very noticeable. Yeah, and that's the thing with BKFC. We're not blowing smoke up their asses by saying that ninety 95%, 99% of the fights are all bangers. I mean, it's so rare that they're boring. Um, I think that he most definitely deserves one of these high profile guys. So he claims that he's calling them out that they don't want that smoke. Let's see if he can apply some pressure in the media. And get that because, um, man, I'd love to see it. Yeah, I think him and Eddie Alvarez makes the most sense right now. I like that one. I think Perry's got more of a name value, but Perry's contract is also up, and he's in a bit of a negotiating phase right now with BKFC. Not only that, he just went on Joe Rogan two days ago and said that he wants to re-sign with the UFC immediately. Wow, that's news to me. Yeah, he said that he wants to fight for the for the biggest crowds possible. And he said that whether it's in BKFC, that's cool too. But his main goal is to get back to the UFC. See, I don't. I think he's so much more suited for bare knuckle than the UFC. Like for I mixed, mar- I don't mean for UFC. Pardon me. I mean for mixed martial arts. Yeah, he's had a respectable mixed martial arts career. I don't think he's ever going to be a champ there. Not ever. Well, and that's what he's saying. Also, that he, it really just depends on what what offer has the most eyes on it too. Because then he also talked about joining a. Uh, misfits boxing kickboxing tournament that him and basically would be set up 
for him and the fucking MVP to run it back in a kickboxing match. I don't think that's a good idea for him. Jesus Christ, MVP will whoop that ass in kickboxing. This is a different scenario. Just Yeah, whatever. I don't like any of those things. But I like Louis Palomino if he could get that fight. I think you're right, though. Eddie Alvarez is the most likely. Yeah. Jose Aldo's a long shot. but Jose Aldo actually makes signed, kind of sense. If, if they sign, I can see it happening. Yeah. Like, so we'll see. But uh, it was a pretty enjoyable event, though, top to bottom. Uh, outside of a, maybe a lackluster main event. I wasn't bothered by it, but again, a lot of criticism afterwards. Let's see what's next for Palomino. If Bare Knuckle Fighting Championships can get him a bigger name than Alvarez, I don't know who it would be. Yeah, I don't know. Alvarez is a pretty big name. He did great against Mendez. We'll see. Yeah, that was a war. Yeah. That's one thing about Eddie, too, is like, you know you're getting a war. And Eddie's putting the feelers out, dude. You see, he also called out uh, Eddie, called out Michael Chandler, said that he'll fight him instead of Connor, and then also like he's just in the mix right now, you know? Because I, I feel like that's what kind of cool thing that BKFC does with their uh, fighters is they kind of have an open ended deal, like they're gonna fight for BKFC, however many fights or whatever, but also they can kind of go over into other as long as it's not bare knuckle they can kind of go over into other sports and have fights yeah. and stuff like that yeah absolutely they seem pretty open uh with their contracts kind of like bellator is in a way yeah. maybe pfl is now mm-hmm. um now before we shift out of bkfc and into um <laughs> tough and connor and chandler and all these things going on i did want to bring something up that we hadn't discussed prior which i found pretty interesting uh you pay attention to pfl this weekend sort of well Two fighters in PFL got suspended after their fight. Did you hear about this? Again? Yeah, but it's not for the usual uh, reasons. So this was the final. This was um, in the Schultz versus uh, Manfio fight because they were uh, their lightweight champion, Nathan Schultz, and Raush Manfio were scheduled to fight in the 2023 playoffs, all right? They fought um, this past Friday at PFL 6 in Atlanta, and Schultz wins by unanimous decision in a fight that even all the media says basically was like a light sparring match. The two guys are best friends. Like, when Manfio came over from wherever he's from, I don't know off the top of my head, but Schultz loaned him money, and when he was broke, he lives in his house. He's his fucking training partner. They're like fucking boys, and then they came together in a fight, and they barely fucking sparred each other. Schultz, who's a former champ, gets the win, which a lot of people are thinking. I was like, perhaps a favor from the dude who he hooked up so great. Uh-huh. Uh, and the PFL responded the next day by fucking uh, suspending both fighters for a, quote, substandard fight, which, quote, violates their contracts with the PFL and removed them save? from the playoffs and put Shane Borgo back in fucking Schultz's place, and they're out. Like, both dudes are now out of the playoffs, and it's causing some controversy across the mixed martial arts fandom. Well, I mean, if that's the case, it's kind of like fixing the fight. If you really think about it. You're yeah, taking a dive. Like, the PFL's official <laughs> statement was, last night, Natan Schultz and Raush Mafio, sorry if I'm, I'm not pronouncing that right, did not meet the standards 
which all PFL fighters agreed to upholding competitions. All fighters in the PFL fight agreements agreed to use their best effort, skills, and ability as a professional athlete to compete and defeat any opponent. It was very clear that Dayton and Roche did not meet their contractual standards in yesterday's bout. Then it goes on to talk about how they were close friends and training partners at ATT in Florida. They've lived with each other. They are the godfathers of each other's children. They spent the entire fight week together in Atlanta and even cut weight together ahead of Thursday's weigh-in. Yeah, it was fixed. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't see the controversy in them suspending it because the general reaction is, fuck PFL. But, well, it's basically a fixed fight. Like, he yeah, seems like they went out. He let fight. his boy win Took because his boy's a former champ. His boy hooked him up. Yeah. They He's barely trying to win a million fought. dollars. And yeah. So what are they supposed to do? Just yeah. pretend that didn't happen? Bro. It's better to be accused of putting on a substandard fight than attempting a fucking fight-fixing allegation. Right. Right? Bro. But, but that's essentially what it is. Yeah. So, yeah, I didn't find it that controversial on PFL's part. I no, I don't. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. You know, unless they... there's information we're not <clears throat> privy to that's in all these articles... Or that's not in all these articles I've been reading. I, yeah. I don't see the outrage. I think it's just fans being fans. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, MMA fans love to. Bitch. Yeah. Yeah. We got a whole show where we. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no. Pretty much, I, I think that's that's a pretty just reaction by PFL to just let them go because it, you get into that gray area where people start accusing your promotion of fixing fights. Yeah, it's just a bad, bad, bad look. Yeah, let's say gotta, this dude, gotta... Natan, he goes on and wins the fucking championship again. Mm-hmm. And then they start coming under scrutiny, and everybody's looking at this fight where he got in there against his best friend, and they barely put on a light sparring match. And they'll be like, this was clearly fixed so this guy could win. His friend threw the fight. Yeah. PFL didn't do anything. Yep. This is bullshit. Protects their backside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's way worse <laughs> than you guys are assholes. Because that's what the outcry basically amounts to me now from fans. Is, oh, you're assholes. Yeah. Who cares? Fuck them. Right. All right. Well, let's talk the ultimate fighter, Conor McGregor, Michael Chandler fight. Is it going to happen? A lot going on with Conor lately. Let's talk yeah. about tough, though, first. What are your thoughts on this season overall? We're like several episodes in. Conor's down four fights to none. His team yeah. of newbies versus UFC vets. I feel like a lot of these newbies in the show throughout all the fights have just looked like shell shocked. Like I don't, I don't get it. Like, like, like most of them just like go out there and just look completely like given up to the moment. Like I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, but it's like it just seems that maybe they should have mixed the teams of some prospects, some vets, like they used to, and like yeah, this just is the have first like time the, they haven't had. Coaches pick their team. Yeah, they were just giving them. Well, I mean, they kind of picked their teams. You know, they were like, it was a prospects versus veteran season, and they were like, they got to pick prospects or vets on each one, and then, um, yeah, Connor picked prospects. For they both. used to, usually they get to be more specific here. They used to pick individual fighters yeah, used to like him, one him, by him, one him, to create yeah. their teams instead of the preset teams which were already made this year. Yeah, which it seems like one has a distinct uh-huh. advantage over the other. Clearly. Well, I mean, also they've got some really seasoned vets on that on this season. Like they have like Jason Knight, who's like in his late thirties. My uh, right. Cody Gibson's in his late thirties. Freaking uh, not late thirties, like mid thirties. You know, like thirty three, thirty four, thirty five. Like fighting these guys who are like 
23-24. Like, they just have... And they're on, like, a very similar level. When you're more seasoned and you've seen all the different you've styles... you in the UFC. Yeah, you've been in the Jason UFC. Jason Knight's fought a fucking who's who, man. Yeah, I, I feel like if they were going to do, like, a, a comeback season with, like, prospects from our UFC veterans and stuff, they should just put all UFC veterans. I mean, like he's fought a who's who in the day. UFC. I just mean he's fought a who's who across combat sports. Like, yeah. he's fought in bare knuckle. He's fought yeah. A Jason Knight's fought a lot of things. He's got a lot yeah. of fucking fights. Mm-hmm. Like, and he was in the UFC for a grip. Right. Like, so, that's the thing. Is like, all these guys that are winning in, like, four, five, six fights deep in the UFC, and then they get cut. It's like, these aren't like how Joe Lozon was when he was on Tough back in the day, where he had like one fight in the UFC and he upset Jens Pulver, like, and that was his only UFC, like anything. No, like, like a lot of that. these guys on this show have like five, six fights in the UFC. And it's like, damn, he was like <laughs> a lot of match. yeah, and they've looked like mismatches throughout the throughout all. Like I'm excited now to see the playoff part of it, you know, like the semifinals, because then you're going to see some of these UFC vets fighting the other UFC vets, and that's when it's going to get real interesting, I feel. Yeah. Uh, the ratings, Dylan some talk about the ratings. We've been in the 250 to 300,000 range. Uh, a lot of people are saying, oh, oh, that, that means Connor sucks now. He doesn't have the drawing power he used to, because on the last one he was on, he was getting, like, millions. But I don't really think that's accurate to look also at because it's on different TV. platforms. Yeah. The TV landscape has completely changed yeah. since then. Mm-hmm. And Tough is fucking boring. Tough was a little bit more exciting back then. They're doing a better job, I'd say, this this year about like going into everyone's backstory. That's all I care about is the backstory. I don't give like, a There's about very that. little house interaction on this show, on this one. But there's only so much backstory you can give every episode. Yeah, well, that's the thing, too, is, like, I thought they were going to do two fights an episode. Dude, they're doing one fight an episode. Yeah, that's right. And half the episode is, is like, about each guy. And then they fight in the end. I was like, damn, the pacing in this is going to be interesting because how, how many episodes is it? Like, only ten, right? No, I think they've extended it this time. I'm trying to get the max out of Connor. Oh, okay. Then maybe that that's why they're doing that. I think without dude, I think McGregor, he's... this would be pulling much less numbers. Dude, like, none of the guys who are the prospects listen to anything Connor says. <laughs> like, no. Dude, he's, like, sitting in the corner telling them to, like, throw combos and shit, and they're just like, uh, uh, like, one punches. I'm like, what the fuck are they doing? Was, like you said, they sound shell-shocked. Dude, a lot of them look shell-shocked. Do you think it's the, is it from the moment the bell rings, or is it as soon as they take a punch from a fucking... I don't know. Two or a punch or two from these guys. I feel like they're like kind of shell shocked about being on Connor's team because a lot of them, like a lot of the commentary throughout the show, is about that. Like, yeah, I'm just glad to be on Connor's team and you know learn from the best and da-da. that's like every time there's a buildup, that's like what they're saying versus like what. There's a like, bunch of 22 year old kids. It sounds like with the biggest mixed martial artist in the world. Yeah. I mean, yeah, John Jones is the best. Connor's still the biggest. Yeah. And it kind of comes through in, like, the show. I don't know. Mm, I see. That's, like, knock the show, because I think it's a pretty good season. Like, it's it's good. I've Obviously. only been reading the recaps. I haven't, yeah. I haven't been able to watch it. It's good. But, now, is Connor really been drunk, or is that just Internet's uh No, he was in the... Not drunk. He was it. drinking with the guys, though. Not, like, crazy. It, it looked like it was a lot of fun. But then Cody came out and said that... Uh, that episode he hated that night because that was the day 
before his fight, and they were there till like three a.m. partying while he was trying to go to sleep, and before the next day, like Cody Gibson, yeah, like damn. Well, traditionally, at the end of the season, you know, the coaches fight. Yeah. How is the relationship looking between Connor and Chandler on there? Is their dynamic good, bad, indifferent, boring, exciting? Mm. It's pretty good, I'd say. The thing is, Connor's, like, really not there for a lot of the the times. There'd be, like, crazy interaction. Like, he doesn't show up for the weigh-ins. He only goes to his practice and the fights. So he shows up to train with, train the, with the guys. With the guys, and then he shows he doesn't corner them either. He uh, he has his guys corner him, and then he like sits cage side. And that makes sense. I mean, he's not a corner man. He might not yeah. be the best at that. He might feel it's better to have the people who corner him cornering them or something. Yeah, I feel that. But he's just not. He's, is Chandler around a lot more? Yeah, <clears throat> Chandler's on the on the scene a lot more. I'd say. On the, well, I don't know. let's circle back around to that a little bit, and let's talk about this fight, Chandler versus Connor. Do you think this is actually happening? No. And what's the main holdup for that? I feel like Connor's overall relationship with the UFC and USADA is going to be the reason that this never happens. Yeah, he hasn't entered the testing pool. Because he says he doesn't want He He feels like, he shouldn't have to wait the six months. He said that he'll do like two months, three months, but he's not waiting six months to fight if he puts himself back in the pool. I mean, that's just a curious thing. Why Why is, is that? Because he wants to fight ASAP, he said, supposedly. Well, he could have just put himself back in the pool six months ago, just speaking the devil's advocate. Yeah, no, no, just... I agree with all this. I think it's a very <clears throat> dumb yeah, reason. But... And then also, he said he's upset with the people from USADA because when people were accusing him of like being on steroids and shit like that, they could have told people like what he was doing and it, like backed him about like his recovery and shit. Well, at one point, he was the most tested athlete in the program. Yeah, and they're testing Connor fucking every other fucking afternoon. It seemed. Mm-hmm. But then clearly he was out. Obviously he's going to take substances that you can't take during competition. That doesn't mean he's a steroid abuser. You just can't take certain medications and things that you would use to heal your body if you were competing in a fight. Yeah. And due to USADA's strict rules, he would have to be removed from the testing pool. I don't think there's any controversy there. It's just the entrance back in is a little weird. There's people accusing him of steroids because of his bulk up. I don't see his bulk up that crazy that it would require steroids. Yeah, now watching the show too, it's really not that nuts. Like, he, that's just what you get with hard work, man. Like, you can say what you want about Connor living life, but he also does work hard. Yeah, but I even mean, when people say, like, he's on steroids, like, if you watch, well, not, that's the thing. Like, he's if you watch Tough, king. he's not, like, humongous. He's, like, he's just looks like he's not doing a ton of cardio. Dude, pretty much like anybody can put on 10 or 15 pumped. pounds of muscle if they work hard at it. Change, I mean. I don't even think he's put that much muscle on. Because I mean, he's fighting at fifty-five. He's fighting at seventy. There's fifteen pounds. I mean, that's the best he could like. That's not steroid use. It's <coughs> not fucking Gordon Ryan here. He's not fucking yeah. suddenly fighting at heavyweight. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm referring to that dramatic picture of Gordon Ryan's before and after with his, his body transformation. For those of you wondering what the fuck I'm talking about. 
But so, yeah, I don't really see it, but I don't see that fight happening either. Now, there's another reason that fight might not happen. Is Connor's back in the news with these, um, these allegations, Definitely which are tough. just... It's, I don't even know why we keep repeating this situation. I'm not saying that it did or didn't happen. It's a tough thing to talk about on a show like this, because what the fuck do we really know other than what's in the media? If we're presented in the media is what's up, it just seems like a shakedown and a really poor decision by Connor in, in, in my mind. Yeah. Now I'm, I'm open to more facts coming out and changing that opinion. A absolutely. I'm, I don't know very much, Yeah. but it's really odd that someone would be like, no, nah, I'm not going to press any charges. I'm going to hang out with you all night long. And then I'm going to quietly ask for money from these three organizations and then tell you, if you don't give me money, I'm going to go to the media. And then when you don't give me money, I go to the media. That's just weird. Yeah. But maybe that's not really what happened. I'm totally willing to change that. I'm just saying, based on what's out there, that's fucking weird, man. Yeah. On the flip side, why the fuck is Connor doing this shit, bro? Yeah. That's why it. is Connor leading some fucking woman into the bathroom, the men's room, with all these cameras on him, doing God knows what in there with her, in front of fucking everybody at game four of the NBA finals, yeah. one of the biggest stages in the fucking world, one of the most well known figures, 50 goddamn million Instagram followers? What are we doing? Yeah. Stupid as hell. Yeah, for sure that's dumb as fuck. And to be clear, if he really did do what she says, he should go to fucking jail. And if he really did what she said, I wish she would have come out of the bathroom and been like, yo, this dude just violently did this to me. We need to call the cops right now. Fuck this shit. Yeah. And then his ass could have been dragged off to fucking jail right then and there, and there wouldn't mm -hmm. be any questions. Yeah, no. Because clearly she's not afraid of publicity. She's out there talking about a world of the media. So why wouldn't you just say it then? I'm just saying. Yeah, no, I feel that. I'm sure there's plenty of people angered and being like, oh, victim blaming. I'm not trying to blame people. I'm just saying, dude, this seems shady. But I'm willing to yeah. hear more facts. Yeah, once the facts come out. And Connor's a fucked hard for even putting himself in a situation. Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, what the fuck, dude? Yeah, stupid as fuck. Hella dumb. Like, it's really pretty easy. If he wants some fucking pussy, if his relationship with his wife here is open, where he's allowed to get some fucking pussy or some head from fucking these whoever he wants, that's really not our business. But there's plenty of ways to do that discreetly, especially when you're fucking got fuck you money like Conor McGregor does. Yeah. You don't got to do it on the world's biggest stages <laughs> in front of everyone. Like an idiot, yeah. And, we're, and if you're really going to do it, if you're just like that, you're just like, fuck you, I'm a pimp and I'm going to act like a literal pimp, then why don't you bring a witness or two in there with you where motherfuckers can be like, see, okay. Jesus Christ, at this point, this motherfucker should have a form. Sign this form yeah. before you suck my dick. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. Like, what, what is happening here? Yeah, it's a shakedown for sure, but. Okay, I've ranted. Your, your thoughts. I, I just agree with pretty much everything he said. <laughs> I mean, it was, it's obviously a shakedown scenario, and it is what it is, with all the personal side of it. Well, this makes it even less likely he's going to fuck White Chandler. I think. I don't even know. Does this seem like the actions of a dude that's in heavy training? Okay, you just we just talked about where we're at right now. What's, what, what That night, I mean, he's at the club. Let's say... Nothing happened, okay? Let's just put a pin in the controversy there. Let's look at, he's at the NBA Four Finals. He's fucking at the club. He's with fucking women. He's at, at Tough. He's showing up. He's drinking. He's, he's fucking all over the place, right? Yep. 
Is this is this a dude that's doing two a days and grinding to fucking beat Chandler's ass? No. Is this a dude that's even like, is he in training? No. I mean, I get he exercises every day. I mean, is he in train? Is he in fight camp? Yeah, no. Nah. No way. And if that's his fight camp, Chandler got a good chance of winning. Because that's 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 Playboy life, homie. Yeah. Leading women in the bathroom in front of everybody at Game Four, Playboy shit. Yeah. Assuming nothing nefarious happened, that's just all he's doing. He's being a fucking pimp, dude. Like, I'm not condoning it. I'm just saying what what I was just describe that activity. It's Playboy life. Yeah. That's not UFC cage fight life. Yeah. For real, for real. Yeah, it's crazy. I don't even think it was the Floyd money that changed him anymore. People yeah. forget about, or they talk about that Floyd money, but then they seem to not talk so much about the real fucking money he made when he sold his majority stake in proper a couple years back. Yeah, like, like that's way more money than he made from Floyd. Didn't he get like seven hundred million? Yeah, not not all of that went to him. It sold for six hundred. Not all of that went to him, but the like the lowest estimate that I've heard that went to him was like three hundred. Yeah, yeah, it's a fuck ton of money. I mean, I don't care how much money you're blowing, that's a lot. That's yeah. a lot coming in. That's that's real fucking money. That's like, and that and he still owns stakes improper when it's sold too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he still has a piece of it now. Yeah, that's why he's still you still see him, his little fucking dancing ass holding the <laughs> bottles on all the fucking <laughs> UFC fights still. Always, dude. Always. Oh, no, that fight's not happening. No. I don't think Connor is uh, coming back to the UFC, period, dude. I just don't see it. I don't think he thinks fucking Michael Chandler is a big enough fight to fucking get all geared up for. I feel like it's a perfect fight for him, though, to get back Me on too. track. I think I'll knock Chandler out if he takes it serious. Yeah. Because Chandler will enter that fire with him. The biggest thing he's got to worry about is if Chandler were to take him down. Because it could get dangerous then. Because Chandler doesn't have like great submission game, but he'll take you down and beat the fuck out of you. True. And Connor has become victim of getting took down and beat the fuck out of a couple times. Yeah, but if you were to take Connor down and fuck him up and Connor were to lose, man, that... It just would look terrible, honestly. Terrible. <laughs> just the worst way he could go out, dude. Like, is that enough for like... Like, just break your leg and just do it. It's all good. I get it. He broke his leg, couldn't come back from it. Odds on the fight happening. Like 70-30, chance it's not. That's about, I was, was going to say 3-1, to one, which is, you know, similar. You know, 75. Not happening. All right, let's round out the show today with the main topic, which is scoring in mixed martial arts. It gets highlighted in the UFC. Now, we're going to talk about the UFC. Okay, it's but, more than just the UFC. But as it's well. more. We mean right. we mean mixed martial arts in general. But I think, at least on my end, some of the changes that I'm implementing would be things that I think should be implemented. With things that the UFC would need to lead the way on, being the leader of the sport. Like it doesn't really matter so much if some regional promotions start to doing this stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's cool. Oh my God, that would be great. But it's not going to cause any change unless the, the leader does it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just like. Everything else in this weird ass sport, the UFC kind of sets the trend. 
yeah. on the way things are going. You know, they set the five round fights. I mean, Bellator's got the five round fights. I mean, yeah. you, you know what I mean? It's uh -huh. just the way it goes. So, uh, it was yet another weekend where there's questionable judging in mixed martial arts. Nobody really got robbed in the UFC with this past event, but we did have questionable cards. Judges who consistently turn in weird scores. You know, yeah. specifically in the Josh Emmett uh, Tatoria fight, round four, we had one judge doing the 10 7, which will cause a lot of controversy. I mean, I don't necessarily know if it's even that, that big a controversy on that one. There's been some way worse ones. But there's in the last way couple worse weeks. ones later. Yeah, I'm just saying it, it, it persists even when there's not outrage. There's, there's still, still something. Yeah, there's still something there. And for those of you listening, you know, it's a refresher here. A lot of the problem, and I think everybody across the board agrees with this, is that what happened when mixed martial arts got legalized and sanctioned in all these various areas is that the um, the ABC, the, the American Boxing Council, is in charge, basically, mm -hmm. of setting the rules. And so they adopted the 10-point must system from boxing, which means yeah. there's 10 points that have to go to the winner. And then the loser gets points deducted, basically, based on good shit that the winner does. Yeah. So in boxing, for instance, if you just have a round where one guy outpunches the other guy and you know wins the round in everybody's mind, then it's scored a ten <clears throat> for him, and then the loser gets a nine. Okay, and then if a something dramatic happens, say there's a knockdown specifically, mm -hmm. then a point gets taken another one, so it's a ten eight. If there's two knockdowns, you might see a ten seven, or if there's a really bad ass whooping, you might see a ten eight. Right. Yeah, and this is the way it works: is the winner always has the ten points, and then the loser gets basically penalized based on shit the How winner bad they does. Get beat up, yeah. And boxing obviously is punching only. I mean, mm -hmm. there's eight basic punches in boxing, and that's about it. Yeah, you don't get awarded points for defense. It's just that the winner or the aggressor doesn't score points because of your defense. Mm -hmm. You know. And now they adapt this over to mixed martial arts, which has nothing in common whatsoever with boxing, except sometimes they punch with their fists. Yeah. There are not just eight punches, eight blows, eight strikes in mixed martial arts. We've got, clearly, we've got punching with your fists, we've got your elbows, we've got kicking, we've got kicking with your shins, with your feet, your knees, mm. you've got fucking takedowns, submissions. you've got body slams, you've got submissions where you can... Breaks, threaten to break bones and twist shit off. You can choke people unconscious, cutting off their blood flow to their fucking goddamn brains, and they just pass the fuck out and the fight's over. They can submit because they're about to pass out. They can submit because they think you're going to fucking rip off their goddamn knee. Yeah. All kinds of shit, but we still have the same thing that's designed for eight eight blows in boxing. Yeah, makes sense. So the winner in MMA is supposed to get ten points. The loser is supposed to get nine. And then everything from there is a fucking hot mess. Yeah. Because how much is a takedown worth? What yeah. is a what knockdown is considered worth? a takedown? If one knockdown is a 10-8 round, is two knockdowns a 10-7 round? Because that's what happened last weekend. Yeah. In my mind, that's how that guy reached that. In the round that we're talking about, Ilya yeah. Tapura won the round, so he gets 10-9. Yeah. He scored two knockdowns against Emmett. So there's a 10-8, then there's 10-7. I'm yeah. not justifying it. I'm saying I'm pretty sure that's what he thought in his head. Yeah, no, I feel it. Because that's what it would be in boxing. Yeah. Well, and I think that's a, a big problem when you talk about judging as well. On that level is a lot of judges are not educated on grappling exchanges whatsoever. Yes. So is like, a, a punch that cuts your eyeball worth more than a guy who picks you up, slams you, and then proceeds to 
to put on like six submission attempts on you. Yeah, exactly. And it should be scored exactly the same, if you really think about it. It's it's all over. Now Now they're supposed to prioritize damage, Yeah. right? Uh, I don't even know what well, that means because that's completely subjective. Yeah, it's, completely subjective. What if you knock somebody senseless, but he looks fine versus <laughs> yeah. somebody who doesn't get hurt at all, but like Nate Diaz who gets yeah. a, his cauliflower busted up, so he mm. fucking bleeds like a motherfucker. Well, yeah. did, did Nate take more damage than the guy who got knocked silly? Yeah. It's f- bullshit. Yeah, 100%. And and I think that's a big part of the problem is is the education of these judges is severely lacking, and I think it goes uh, across the board that just like they they just don't know what they're watching sometimes, and that that's a big problem. And I think, um, I think a big part of how I think we could fix this is kind of like my that play like point one was to like educate them, yeah. Yeah, well, but here's what we're going to do. I think you got to wipe the board. Why don't you give your solutions? Because there's not really a debate here. Yeah. And we're, then we're I'll give my it. solutions that don't overlap with yours. Mm-hmm. And then we'll give the likelihood of this happening, and then we'll end the show. Okay. So you go ahead. Now, we've outlined the problem here pretty clearly. Yeah. So I think, number one, you have to wipe the board. You got to get rid of all of them and make them re-educate. As in the on, judges? Yeah. And you ha- make them have to recertify as a judge, as far as like being educated in all the different scoring and all the different, you know, parts of a fight and how they're scored, you know. Um, and I do think a big part of how they could fix this is to get the coaches and fighters involved. I think a, a lot of these, a lot of these guys don't necessarily know what they're watching sometimes. So hearing it from the people that are doing it could, you know maybe be better for them. Absolutely um, it would, yes. Also think open scoring is a big thing. Yes. That would in open that scoring that means scoring that is visible in the arena and on the television uh, live immediately after the round before the before the start of the next round or shortly thereafter the score pops up for everybody to see. Exactly. So yeah. we know going into the third or the fourth or the fifth exactly where everybody's at. Instead yep. of it being a fucking surprise at the end. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I, not only will it, it kind of give some trends, I would feel. You know, like, you know how a judge is scoring based on how he's with his open scoring and what you need to, like, maybe get rid of him or, you know, have a chance to maybe go back and have him explain what he saw there. Like, I feel like a really good system that they could have it's just like a three strike rule. You get three fights to to have just like what the fuck scores and have to explain yourself. But after that, you gotta go. Like, uh, there's too many judges we have in this game nowadays that is like they'll have like five, six fights that they're fucking synonymous for. Fucking, uh, just having terrible, terrible scorecards turned in. Yeah. And I feel like that's a big problem. You should have it should be a three strike rule. You have three fights to get your shit together pretty much. You know. That's not unreasonable at all. And last but not least, when we already kinda alluded to this before, you gotta get rid of the ten must system. Um, I think that there's a there's a couple ways you could do the scoring where it's not ten must and it still makes sense, you know. Um, I think you could start 
kind of doing it like uh, you ever see that verdict MMA? They do the scoring on like the social media and shit, yeah. and they kind of give half points and stuff like that. I yes. think that that shit could make sense, you know. Ultimately, because sometimes fights are that close, man. Sometimes a point of a po- of a like you know a fraction of a point can undoubtedly kind of you know change how a fight is scored and yes. that, sometimes it's that close man. <clears throat> yeah. um, and it's not as weighty as a complete point would yeah. be mm-hmm. for something there's i mean and we'll i'll talk about this more and not to interrupt but to expand on what you're saying another part of the 10 point must system adapting from boxing that causes an issue that we might not have clearly outlined is in MMA, there's only three rounds or five rounds. Yeah. Compared to boxing, we have usually 10 to 12 rounds, especially yeah. in the consequential fights. Mm-hmm. Okay, now at the lower level, sure, there's a bit lower ones. But prior to that, the point is if, if a 10-8 or a 10-7 round occurs in boxing, especially early, there's a lot of time left for a fighter yeah. to overcome that score and and make up for things. You do not have that time in mixed martial arts. Mm -hmm. It could be a you just don't have it. Like it's not there, so it doesn't have the 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 points have a much heavier consequence when they happen. The point deduction for the fighter. Mm -hmm. So like if you got let's say it was a ten ten to a nine point five, that's a close round. You know what I mean? Like in that that's a half a point. It it gives there's more wiggle room and there's more Versions. I mean, I yes. think they would just be make more sense. I guess in the end, absolutely. Um, and to expand a little bit further, you said get the fighters and the coaches involved. I think that is a tremendous idea. It's one that I didn't really think of, but I think that would be very important because it it seems like what you said earlier is so evident that a lot of times these judges don't know exactly what they're watching, and if they would simply spend some time with some fighters. Spend some time with some coaches. Go to a gym or two. Mm-hmm. You don't have to put in mad hours. You don't no need to learn the ins and outs of all of jujitsu. Yeah, but but get a little bit more of a knowledge base of what's happening and what they're doing, so yeah. you can understand more of what you're seeing. So you know maybe that just sit in a fucking a couple classes, a, a superficial cut on somebody's cauliflower fucking ear or on their scar tissue on their eyebrow does not carry the fucking significance of somebody who just rattled off like six chain submission attempts. Yeah. Like or somebody who defended those, the value of that. Like you have to be able to weigh these things yep. in some way because it's not boxing where, in order to defend punches, you're either slipping them or you're absorbing them on your fucking gloves. Well, and also shoulders, that's the, that's the same thing too. Is like exactly what you're saying is grappling defense. Although I'm not necessarily saying it needs to be scored, I think that when you see grappling defense, you have to ignore the idea of scoring, just like. Because I feel like a lot of times these guys get in these like stall positions where they're not really getting takedowns, but they're still getting like scoring, scoring necessarily in the judges' eyes. But like when a guy like perfect examples a couple of weeks ago when Henry Cejudo was just like endlessly trying to take Aljo down and Aljo was just defending him, defending him, defending him, defending him, and stopping his takedowns and like to think that that's easy and that should just not be scored is ridiculous. No, there's a tremendous value in what Sterling is doing. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, and I feel like that, that that's where it's kind of lost in 
in the judges' scorecards is like they see any kind of grappling, like, yep, this guy's showing grappling superiority. Yeah, the 10 but point like, system, no. Mustison has no room for that. Yeah. There's no room to say what Aljo does has value of some sort. Yeah. What if we did this? Think In fact, it. sometimes people give the value to Cejudo for being the quote-unquote aggressor. Yeah. Like, um, excuse me? Yeah. Like, like that just doesn't make any sense either. That's exactly what I'm saying. Like, uh, Just because you're shooting, t- shooting for takedowns, if you're getting stuffed, you're not an aggressor. You're, you're not getting takedowns. <laughs> it's not aggressive. You know what I mean? Like, so... Um, no, it's almost like doing a rope-a-dope without taking the damage. In, yeah. in so much that your opponent, like if you're stuffing the takedowns, mm-hmm. your opponent is wearing themselves out. And if you can keep stuffing them, they're just going to get worn out, worn out, worn out. And then you can be the aggressor. And that's what we saw in that fight, too. So I think you have to, as a judge, understand what's going on in there. You know, just as much as you you see some power puncher coming in with crazy shots and the guy's just, you know, ducking, diving, you know, parrying strikes and stuff like that, that's kind of... As much as people say it's not scored, that's scored a lot in, mm-hmm. in MMA and boxing, I feel like. If, yes. you, if, if you're slick with your defense, it scores just as much as you should be slick with your, your grappling defense. You know, you sh- that should score as well. No, I think those are all some great uh-huh. points. What you got? All right. Um, I have a few here laid out as well. So let's start with... um. The first one, these were in really no particular order, but I think the first thing you need to do is right now we're using three judges. I think they should be replaced with five judges. There's a lot more going on than there is in boxing. We use three judges because boxing uses three judges. Well, they're fucking doing punches only. I'm going to be repetitive here. I'm not trying to diss boxing. It's just there's a whole lot more going on in MMA, so more eyeballs on the situation would be a lot wiser. I think, and then I agree with you 100% with the open scoring. And I agree with you that the 10-point must system has got to go. However, I, I have a suggestion as to what it would be replaced with, um, which I'm going to say, and then I'm going to light up this fucking joint here. I think that it needs to be a 15-point system, no must, and half points allowed. So you don't have to give the winner 15, and you can give... Half points. Interesting. All right, I have a couple questions about this system then. What no, are... I'll expand on that more with some more things that oh, okay, might okay, answer okay, these okay. questions, but go ahead first off. Are those 15 points like three subcategories of five points? Like of the major like striking, grappling, submission? It's. I think that's a possibility, but might be too much. But I think that with this system, you would need to have absolutely clearly outlined values for striking with all your limbs, not just like what, what is the value of a heavily landed strike? What is the value of a takedown? What's the value of a takedown where you have control but no damage? What's the value of a takedown where you control and then you do ground and pound? Yeah. These are two different things. What about a takedown where you do a bunch of submission attempts? What about a takedown where the dude pops back up two seconds later? Like, you have to put a value on exactly what you're seeing, much like a pitter-patter punch versus a fucking knockdown blow. There's two different values. It's the same fucking punch. Yeah. It's not hard. It sounds complicated, but it's not hard to do. 
but I feel like adding the subcategories is a possibility. I did think of that as well, but it might make it just too complicated because you do have to put a real value on these things. Yeah. So I know if this dude just landed two punches, it's this value. This dude just took him down, held him for a while. Okay, that's worth about this much. And that's where I think the half points really come in. And also the no must thing. Like you, the other guy, both guys can get penalized. The winner just doesn't get everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it you could sense. wind up with a score that's like 13.5 to 10. You know what I mean? In a round. Like, it, but it recognizes the other guy's value, right? Because in a 10-9, well, what'd the other guy do? Apparently fucking nothing. I wasn't laughing at your idea. I was laughing. I was thinking of the idea of, of Bruce Buffer at the end of a fight announcing five judges scorecards. <laughs> 176.4 to 171.8. Well, he wouldn't have to announce though because we have open scoring. So yeah, he would no, just true. come up and announce the winner. The winner, yeah. You know what I mean? And your winner it is. It would be winner. all judges agree yeah. this or that or whatever. Yeah. I feel like that was just going But wrong. so I just feel like without having the must in there, it allows for both opponents to show damage. Because then you know, like if, if they both started with 15 and one guy wins 12 to 10, you know that the other guy caused some damage too. Yeah. He took some shit. Mm-hmm. Versus, I mean, in, in the 10-point must system, an ass-kicking round that isn't quite a 10-8 is treated the exact same as a round some guy barely wins because the other guy was right there neck and neck. Yeah. This eliminates all of that. With the clearly outlined values, these we know what everybody's doing. You tell the fighters, this is what it's worth, this is what we're going to be judging you on. Okay. Yeah. And then afterwards, you have a review panel post-fight. Not post-fight, excuse me, post-event. It's just a meeting. It's not that difficult. They've all got tape available right there. You can do it right after the event while everybody's there. you got to stick around an hour or two. Everybody kind of goes over their cars. Is there any questions? Was there any fucking crazy shit that happened? Okay, if this was crazy, why did you do this? Not to shame you, but let's let's just, was this right? Was this wrong? Is it something we should all do? Should we avoid this? How can we do better? Yeah. Doesn't have to be a big deal. Doesn't have to be open to the public, but somebody needs to be there and just go over that type of shit. Okay. And then finally, the last thing is that these guys need higher pay. There's a big article that came out recently. I believe it was on MMA Fighting or Bloody Elbow. I can't remember, but it's easy to find if you Google it, revealing the pay structures that these referees are paid. And at the very highest levels, they're getting fifteen hundred, two grand, oh. at the at, by the UFC. Yeah, that's the, yeah. the best of the best of these guys are getting a couple grand. Yeah, no, no, thank you. We can't sit there and ask them to do all this shit and, and have all this responsibility and they don't get any money. They have, they're responsible for a lot. Like, why does the CEO of a company get so much money? It's not his actual physical duties that he does. It's the responsibility that they bear. That's why they get paid the money because the buck stops. They have responsibility. These guys are responsible for how much these fighters get paid, their career, their their career every night. Their decisions affect their entire career. Yeah. They should be paid accordingly. There's a bunch of money floating around. The UFC is making record fucking profits. The gates on all these things are in the millions. There's no there's only so many judges. It's not like there's a hundred of them every fucking night. There's no reason why you can't pay these guys. And it doesn't have to come directly from the UFC. The UFC can fund some type of fucking thing where it's dispersed by somebody else you know what i mean so there can't be any favoritism or whatever but it has to start at the ufc because they have the money to do it they can they're the trendsetters they could do these things 
but you get five judges in there. You get more points available. You drop the fucking must. You add the half points. You bring the fucking fighters and coaches in, just like you were saying. You get clearly outlined values, which is basically what you were saying as well. And you pay these people some fucking money that's in that bears some equal weight to the responsibility that they're given every night. Yeah, I feel that. Um, and lastly, I did want to. Now we kind of laid out a scenario in which how they could fix it. I kind of want to talk about a couple, couple little touchy topics when we talk about rules and and when from like organization to organization. So uh, I just want to talk about one for a second because they do a complete different scoring system. You talk about one fighting championship yeah. over in uh, Asia? Yeah. They do a complete different scoring system where they score their fights as a whole. They still have rounds? There's still rounds, but they score the fight what as a whole. Or do the judges just go hold back till the end of the fight and go, I think so-and-so won? Yep. Based exactly on just their opinion or... Like, there's like, yeah, some criteria. I assume there, there's got to be some kind of criteria of like, oh, he won this part of the fight. Do they give points or do they just state a winner? I believe they just state a winner. And that's kind of an interesting thing as well. Absolutely. It bears looking at. I haven't watched a whole lot of their fights, although now that they're on Amazon, I have been doing a little bit here and there. Yeah. I know they just held the event in Colorado where they allowed the soccer kicks and everything, which was pretty dope. Yeah, which is interesting as well. That's another thing that's very, very touchy that we probably will have to get in, into another day. But the there needs to be some kind of board or something like that that is not boxing-based that now kind of... Like, I know there is some... some uh, some states where it's like they have their kind of own MMA, you know... Uh, talking about the state athletic commissions yeah, themselves. Athletic commissions, that, yeah. yeah, they barely know anything about boxing, and they're assigning referees and doing all other shit. Yeah. Asking them to know about mixed martial arts is one thing, and of course, they're governed ultimately by the you know the boxing commission, which doesn't make any sense anymore because it used to, it maybe it did when MMA was tiny and fringe, and nobody knew it was going to stick around. Well, it's it's twenty fucking thirty years later now. We've had yeah. the UFC set the stage. We got tons of promotions. Yeah, regional shit everywhere. Yeah, that's basically what I'm saying as well. Yeah, there, there absolutely needs... I mean, on what I just said is kind of hypocritical in a way because we're talking about how there needs to be unification across these different jurisdictions. So we've got different rule sets in different areas, et cetera, et cetera. And I just said it was cool that soccer kicks were allowed in Colorado by one. Because it's that's certainly not of... allowed anywhere else because they're not allowed in the U.S. by the Boxing Commission. Yeah, well, that's the thing. is like if it was allowed in the early UFC, like in... You know, it's just like something that they took out. I think it's like the twelve six elbows. You know, they took yeah. it away because the karate guy. I don't know. Soccer kicks are pretty gnarly, dude. Like, yeah. like good soccer kicks. Like I've seen some crazy soccer kicks in the past. Like, I would not want to be on the. Receiver. No, thank you. No, but I've also seen like, like, some pretty gnarly. Grounded head strikes as well. Like, ever seen like uh, Ben Askren dropping knees on the top of people's heads and shit? Oh, yeah. Like, that, that shit is pretty crazy. But that also speaks kind of more into the rule set and everything and how, you know, how it's just different everywhere. Like, there's really no unified set of rules in the sport of MMA. No, there's nothing UFC could do about that except areas where they're their own commission. But they could do something about this judging shit. They could sit down with the fucking 
Nevada State Athletic Commission, and they could get Nevada to go ahead and approve some of the stuff if they started doing it on their own mm-hmm. in other areas. True. The UFC won't do that because they quit caring about advancing the sport like they used to and only about care about money. advancing their pocketbooks. Tortitas, love them or hate them, were very much about advancing the sport of MMA. Yeah, 100%. And now this merger with WWE, they got real fuck you money behind the UFC now. Yeah, they're not going like, to do anything to change They ain't story. doing shit. Like, get the money and give it to us. <laughs> hate to end this on a downer, but I don't see any of these things that either one of us suggested ever actually happening. I can see the open scoring thing coming into play eventually. I don't think it's going to be, I think it'll be a slow burn, but it, it could happen. Let's keep our fingers crossed and hope. Well, I think about wraps up the show for today. Remember to check out Binoid for the best in CBD and legal uh, Delta 9 THC products. You can find all of the links to that and a whole bunch more where? Swatmade.com where you can head over there and click the gear button as well. Buy a t-shirt, support the podcast, and then head over to Instagram and follow us at SWAT and May Podcast. Thanks, everybody. Later. Peace.